Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Here we are at the end of 2020, and it has been quite a ride. (laughs) We have been met not with the persecution of Rome, but we have been met with the pressures of Rona. Uh, And and I don't know what you've done where you are. I don't know if your congregation has yet to open their doors back up, whether your congregation has uh, kept their doors open this entire time. Um, that's, That's not for me to decide. There is no such thing as brotherhood police. God has established autonomy for a reason. And that's the way it's going to be. There, you won't find, um, you won't find quote the Brotherhood Police or church write-ups or whatever in the Bible. That that's not there. We need to respect each other, and we need to respect how every congregation is working and operating in their particular location. I've had some preachers come up to me and say, "Did you hear about what the church was doing over such and such a place?" And this congregation may be eight hours from me. And my simple reply is, no, I'm worried about the church of Piedmont Road. Um, Because that is what is under my uh, situation and what I'm involved with. And can in no way impact what that church is doing and how that will impact me uh, as a preacher. Bring it up, sure. Be aware, sure. Um, Know what that place is doing, sure. Uh, for the sake of knowing, or for the sake of learning how to how to not fall into the same sinful trap, sure. But letting it impact and influence and bother and con- con- convict me in such a way that I've got to be all about their business, no, no, I'm I'm, I'm not about that. And I, the Lord wouldn't have us to be. We need to be involved in leading our own congregations not being consumed and con- and swallowed up by what other churches are or are not doing. I want to talk about leadership in this way. A, a lot of l- preachers, elders, deacons will not lead and will begin to look at what other churches are or are not doing. They won't look at themselves. I want to talk about leadership. How can we grow in our leaderships? Maybe you feel as a preacher you're not so much a leader. Or as an elder, you think, well, I'm a great servant, or I'm great when it comes to evangelism, or I'm great when it comes to hospital beds, but leading just really isn't my thing. As a preacher, you think, well, I'm great at at solving exegetical problems. I'm great at expositing a text, but, but, you know, don't, don't get me in a, in a leadership position. I lack the confidence and, and I'm just not there. And we have to be careful. We've got to discover uh, within our own selves, the type of leader that we are. And it could be that you are not a very good leader. You are inadequate, that you can't provide a vision, that you don't know how to do direction, and, and especially when it comes to the directional leadership of the church that you serve. And so often what we will do is we will retreat from that messy work or, the if you're an elder, the difficulty of pastoral leadership and maybe you'll say, well, we're just going to focus on caring and feeding, uh, you know, pastoral ministry. You know, we're going to we're going to shepherd this way and we're, we're not going to be, quote, church bosses and we're not going to give an overall sense of direction. 
you can feel, preacher, elder, deacon, the temptation to retreat from leading. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're at a congregation where you're going through a some growing pains, transition of elders, the the changing of the guard, and what's needed is strong leadership in that moment. Maybe you're going through that situation and you feel like that it requires more than you can provide. You can be intimidated by uh, maybe several older men of the church. Maybe uh, my work in Moultrie. I was there for six years and I, I never had an eldership. And I could have very easily been uh, pressured by by men older than me or younger than me, like you can, uh, who have something to say, and they're very heavy by what they say. And I'm not thinking of anybody in particular at Moultrie, but, but when referencing there and being there, not having an eldership, there can be some people, or even if you do have an eldership, if you're a preacher, or you are an elder, there can be some folks who are more pushy than others. They can intimidate or bully you in the men's meeting or the elders' meeting. They have a different view, and they're going to cause the tension, and they want to frighten and shaken you and coerce you into doing what they want. Maybe you need to have a good conversation with an older preacher, older elder, listen carefully to to how they should challenge you to being great leaders in the church. We have been given a high capacity, a high seat for bearing fruit as a preacher, as a Christian, as an elder, as a deacon, and and that that is what God has called us to through his word. But as I think about me as a preacher, my fruitfulness as a preacher will be limited if I don't develop and deepen my roots as a leader. When I think about serving, leadership is also an aspect of that. When you think about leading, an aspect of leading is serving. You are serving the greater good. You're serving the great the great of man. Leadership has to be an essential part of who we are and, and, and uh, whether your congregation is, has closed their buildings or kept them open, that's that's beside the point. We we never have to fail being the church just because the church building is off limits. I hope we I hope we understand that. I trust you do. I know the folks that are listening to this uh, are the are the cream of the crop, but I just want to encourage you to remember that just because your church building doors are closed does not mean that the church is closed. Just keep that in mind, and especially when it comes to leading people, um, we can we can be six feet apart with masks on and still lead Bible studies. We can still be evangelistic. We can still serve and take meals, or or or, or take a group of folks and go stand outside some shut-ins doors and and sing with them. Uh, we can still lead God's people, even though we're not in the building. God has done a very good job, and this is probably I say providence, perhaps providence, that God has allowed this to come into our lives. There is no doubt, but this is meant for our good, Romans 8, 28, and God's glory. We, we've gotten out of our church buildings. We've, we've stopped standing at the building door and waving at folks to say, hey, come on in. We've been pushed into our homes and into our communities. So I, I've wel- I welcome the good that comes from the coronavirus. But We've got to be determined to stop retreating and start growing as leaders to begin a journey that continues day after day. It's 2020. It's the close of this year. 
commit to yourself, not because that it is a new year, but there are people who are ready to move on in different directions. There are people who are starving for the truth. They're starving for something that is eternal, that is going to get them out of 2020, and you're here with the gospel and lead those souls into that place. One of the happy realizations that, that we need to make about pastoral leadership, especially if you're an elder. Preachers aren't pastors. Preachers can be pastors biblically, but not all preachers are pastors. We we need to we need to make the realization. We've got to come to this conclusion that preaching God's word is a vital part of leading God's people. It is. It's not just washing the hands and the feet, but it is leading from the pulpit. Preaching and leading are 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 different. They are different functions, but they do overlap. The two merge and really complement, uh, augment one another in very surprising ways. And what this means is if you're an elder, you can lead from the pulpit. One of the things that we, we would contribute well to our religious friends who abuse the term pastor is that their pastor is a preacher. If there's one thing that we're lacking in the kingdom of God, and by the kingdom of God, I specifically mean the church that belongs to our Lord. One of the things that we are lacking is we have elders in the congregations of God's people who are not leaders and they are not preachers. They can't even hold their weight in a Bible study. That needs to change. We need to stop electing people and putting people in that place who are great at balancing a checkbook. God's business is not man's business. We need to understand that. It's not ran like a business per se. It does have those attributes, yes, but we're talking about souls here. We're talking about souls, and the and the church of, of Christ is looking for these shepherds of Christ's church to preach the Word of God. Every pastor needs to be a preacher. How can you effectively manage the souls that God has put in your life if you don't know how to manage the Word of God. Let me step off that soapbox because this episode is not about that. But we've got to have people who, without diminish, without diminishing our commitment to faithful exposition of God's Word, serve as shepherds. How can biblical preaching help us resist the temptation to retreat from our role in congregational leadership I want to give us four primary ways. Number one, we've got to set a vision. Preaching sets the vision for the entire congregation, but not in some of the ways that you may think. Expository preaching doesn't just turn sermon into vision talks. Okay, I don't want to do that. You don't either. It doesn't sound, it doesn't, I won't say, well, it doesn't expound strategic plans in place of Scripture. I'm not talking about that. When it comes to setting a vision for the church, expositors, that's what I am, we do something far less overt, but very much or far more important. We preach God's vision and mission for his people. We need to be cautioned with some age-old sage wisdom. We need to be warned that, that the people in the congregation are going to be wary, especially me. I've only been here a year and a half. I've only been in, been in the pulpit here at Piedmont Road since February of 2020 full-time. I've got to be cautioned that I can't just come in and bring something new and, and, and expect everyone to take hold of it. We, we've got to be counseled not to rush into crafting something. 
this takes prayer. This takes, for me, I've got four, and come January 3rd, I'll have six shepherds here. Uh, I've consulted with them before I considered a plan. I talked about the needs of the church. As the shepherds, what do you see the church need? What can I do from the pulpit? I mean, you think about this, the word pastor, uh, poimen, to feed, that the church is is to be fed uh, by the pastors. The elders here, all of my elders teach. All of my elders are able to preach. There is no doubt. They can stand up and, and bring forth a message, and they all have. But a part of their responsibility to feed can be uh, mouthpieced, if you will, through me as a vessel. They can have me preach what they want to be preached or in or topics that, that, that need to be dealt with. See, the wonderful thing about my shepherds is that they go out and they shepherd souls, and, and they do their work. They don't do the deacon's job. There are a lot of elders who make good deacons, and they don't lead where they're supposed to lead, and so they retreat and do other people's jobs, much like the churches that focus so much about what other churches are doing because they have retreated into their own corner and won't do their work. They won't lead where they are, so they worry about everybody else's stuff. What we need, preachers, elders, deacons, we've got to preach and set the tone for God's vision and mission for his people. Not rush into this all willy-nilly. Call, ask your elders, ask your members. And, and as a good faithful minister, you're involved in people's lives. You know what they need and what they don't need. You know what they need to hear or not hear. They, they rely on you to be a gauge and a barometer. We, we've got to preach the word of God in a way that, that God gave people his vision for his church, for his mission, in the world. Let's talk about climate change. So not just vision setting, but number two, climate change. Every congregation has an internal climate, no doubt. Every church does. Church, church's climate, uh, not every church's climate, is as warm and welcoming as it should be. I've been in some places before. It's awful, awful. They are not friendly. They are not they are not handshakers. They're not, hey, how are you doing, or whatever. But, but some, are, some are frosty with a wintry feel. <laughs> That's the best way I know how to put it. Uh, people stay bundled up. They stay hidden from one another. But in other churches, the relational warmth is only for those who have been there long enough to become acclimated. Uh, some churches are very cliquish, and newcomers are left out in the cold. Shame on us if we're that way. Preachers, elders, deacons, servants across the board have an opportunity to bring about the climate change that needs to go on. As a preacher, I have that opportunity to do so through my preaching. Every week, I need to communicate God's word, God's heart, and help set the spiritual temperature of the worship service, of the Bible classes, of the demeanor of the church. Biblical preaching brings a congregation into the light of God's truth and the warmth of His grace. They need to not only hear, but they need to see, and they need to feel the correct climate within the church. Imagine, if you will, that you've got a friend, and this friend is a preacher, or maybe he's an elder, uh, or he's a deacon, and he is at a congregation, and they have experienced a considerable amount of turmoil, of trouble, of junk, or, or whatever it was. The congregation has become fragmented, they're busted up, they're distant, they're detached. Uh, when visitors show up, you can slice the tension with a butter knife. 
they feel unnoticed, they're unable to connect. And so what you want is to hear of that particular friend, or if you were to give him advice at all, uh, you want to say, listen, faithfully preach God's word, communicate God's truth, do it in a relational, engaging way. And you begin to, if this is who you are, whether you preach or teach or you shepherd the, the truth in people's lives, you will begin to rub off on other people. This takes time, but you've got to, you've got to work through all the kinks. And, and this happens from, to churches from time to time. But what happens is your warmth will begin to rest up, rest, um, your warmth rather will begin to uh, heat up the rest of the church. That's what you want. You want the climate to be to be better. And if you want better, you've got to be better. Uh, as one of my good brothers, Tyler Jenkins, says in his, I guess, quote for life is, "If it's a, if it is to be, it's up to me." So if you want it. Go and be that change that you want to see in this life. Jesus made it very clear that a disciple, once he is fully trained, he will be like his teacher, Luke 6 and verse 40. We produce after our own kind. That means over time, churches begin to take on personality, the personality and the passion of the preacher. That That's just the truth. Preachers set the climate for the congregation. That is leadership. Let's move on. Not just vision setting, not just climate change, but number three, gospel focus. How does a congregation grow in its passion for reaching the lost, which is every mission of every church, or it should be? How do they grow in the passion uh, for reaching the lost with the life-saving message of Jesus? How do they do that? Gospel preaching is part of that answer. And this kind of gospel preaching can be done by preachers, elders, and deacons. And I want to charge every three, every one of the three categories, because every one of these need to be gospel preachers. We all need to preach uh, the gospel. But the type of preaching that I'm thinking about is the the type of preacher uh, that is committed to exposition. The key is learning to make a, quote, gospel move uh, as part of an expository sermon. And by gospel move, what I mean is, is at some point in the message, you've got to, as a preacher, a deacon, or as an elder, whether you're teaching a class or preaching a lesson, there has to be a move and a shift to the gospel. There has to be a, a point to Christ and his redemptive work and that it is needed. And had he not do that, then the preaching would be in vain. It's not that the preacher ignores the immediate context, because we can never do that. We can never ignore the original message of the passage. But what we have to do, and what the Bible always does, is the preacher points to Christ and his gospel as a part of the exposition of the passage. Jesus in every verse, per se. The theological rationale for this emphasis comes really from a, a the conviction, maybe, of a larger um, meta-narrative of the Bible, meaning how does this verse or this word fit into the verse, and how does this verse fit in the chapter, chapter in the book, book in the in the scheme of the Bible, and the scheme of redemption at large? How does it do that? As Jesus declared, every part of Scripture points to him, John 5, 39. 
That means that there is a pathway that leads to Christ in every passage of Scripture. It's like a it's like a string of pearls, even though it may seem separate. It is it is seen it is connected through the sinews of Jesus Christ, or 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 to change the picture, the gospel grows organically out of the soul of every text we preach. The Word of God, Luke 8:11, is the seed that is planted. Christ comes out of that seed every time. As preachers regularly highlight the gospel in their sermons, what we do is we lead our congregations to become more gospel-focused. We avoid what Don Carson calls the trap of, quote, assuming the gospel. We can eventually lead a congregation to abandon the gospel, not maliciously, but do so ignorantly. Preachers who regularly rehearse the good news of the gospel provide people with a solid footing for their faith. But there is also a leadership benefit that comes to a church when a preacher, elder, deacon regularly makes a gospel move in their messages that they preach and teach. People in the church gain more confidence to invite friends to the church worship who have not yet come to Christ in a saving way. If they know that every time I bring my friend here, the gospel is going to be given to them, that it will be delivered to them in the classes and in the preaching, they will want their people and their friends and their loved ones to come there. They want to arrange that meeting because they know the preacher is not going to talk about adultery and only adultery this week or only marriage. He is going to show why the marriage the relationships, the whatever that he's preaching on fits into the scheme of the gospel. Everything should always point back to Jesus. Gospel presentations, they're not confined to Easter, to Christmas, as some of our religious friends have come to know. In a sense, every service becomes an outreach service, even though the focus of the message is expositing a passage for believers. The worship of the church is for the church. Don't get me wrong, but an unbeliever, how will they say amen unless they're there, unless they're present, unless they see? So as preachers regularly and repeatedly bring out the good news of the gospel in their sermons, they lead a congregation to be more gospel-focused. Once again, preaching overlaps with leading. So Let's let's talk about this call to action number four. How do we how do we be leaders in the pulpit? Faithful preaching is not content with only informing the mind. It's not. We're not in the business of just of just barking orders. We are in the business of transforming lives. Life changing life change rather is always a primary goal of biblical exposition. This means that me as a preacher. I've got to explain and apply. I've got to land the plane. I've got to focus on the quote, so what? Scripture will serve as a teacher and a leader at the same time. Calling people to to obedient action in response to God's word will test my heart as a preacher and yours. We will graciously but courageously proclaim the truth even when it confronts and convicts, won't we? Or will we tone down the text, blunting the force of the biblical command? Where we turn God's commands into suggestions. Where we say things like, well, 
I believe the Bible is teaching, or I would suggest this, or I would suggest that. I've heard preachers say that and that come out of their pulpits and be preaching to 700 people. I saw it, and I thought, ugh, you have just watered down what God has said. You often finish your sermons by saying, so how should we respond to what God is saying to us in this passage? Well, I would suggest dot, dot, dot. Or we, we, we water it down in some kind of way. When God commands, it's not a suggestion. To be faithful preachers and effective leaders, we must present God's truth. Number one, be God's truth, okay? You have to first apply it to yourself. But then number two, present God's truth in a stark beauty. Not bleaching, not bleaching the boldness out of it, out of the commands, turning them into into pastry, basically. That Oh, here's an offer. I hope you can take it. It'd be great if you could. Have a good day. No, we need to challenge our hearers to become not just hearers, but doers. James one twenty two. We will call individuals and the entire church family to act in obedient faith. In this way, we will not only serve as faithful expositors of God's word, but we will also provide leadership for God's people. Often in my sermons, I will end my sermon by saying, we expect you to come. We expect you to change. As together we stand and as we sing. Something along those lines where we are expecting people. We are asking people. And and keep in mind, it's not me doing the asking. It's God doing the commanding. So, it is true, as we shift the focus here, as we end this, it is true that good good preachers and elders and deacons are not automatically good leaders. They're, it doesn't mean that you have that, quote, characteristic. Leadership involves developing abilities and skills which are not identical to those that are required for preaching per se, but even those of us who are not exceptional gifted as leaders can still fulfill the leadership side of our role as a preacher, as a shepherd, as a deacon. It can. We do that in part through our faithful preaching of God's Word. I want to call every preacher, every shepherd, every deacon to be faithful preachers of God's Word. Rather than retreating from the challenges and the demands of congregational leadership, we choose to grow as leaders and learn to lead through our preaching. God be with you.